as funny as me more people like you because there's only one person in the world who was perfect and he was crucified. So we're attaining for something a little bit better because we know that God loves us, he cares for us, and actually that's what God wants for us too. One of the reasons that Jesus came, he says in John chapter 10, he says, I came so that people can have life, really full life. Some translations would say an abundant life. Not just something to experience after we die, but right now, real full, abundant, rich life. And so, the first step, or one of the steps in, in, in having a better life and having a full life is recognizing we have weaknesses and just saying, I need help because I'm weak in this area, because we all do. And if we can't admit that, we can't get better or get the help that we need. And so we talked about that last week. Let's aim for better because it's attainable and it's, uh, it's better than uh, being perfect, which is not attainable. And so this week I wanted to uh, just finish up this series, just two sermons, two weeks, uh, before we get into our special sermon next week. And uh, this is um, dealing with a passage that all of you probably know. You're not going to learn anything new this week. It's something that is, it's one of my favorite passages, and I often um, choose verses or references, something from this passage to help me when I make passwords on the internet, because I'm always forgetting them, right? So I'll use like something from here. And uh, even this week, I was meeting with one of you for coffee at Tim Hortons, and you brought up this passage. I didn't even hint that I was going to be preaching on this, and you brought it up and shared how it is meaningful for your life as well. So this is um, something that's um, not new but it's uh, important uh, for us when we talk about having a full and abundant life. If you have notes, uh, sorry there are no notes online today, but there are notes, paper notes that you can follow along and take notes if you, if you want to and then fold them, put them back in your Bible. They are there at the back. You can see that this is entitled Carefree Living, not Careless Living. There's obviously a big difference in, in those two. And the passage is Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open to that and keep your a bookmark or keep your thumb in there for now. Matthew chapter 6, we'll start at verse 25, even though it's kind of starting in the middle. And then uh, those of you in life groups, you can study some of the questions a little bit afterwards. But Jesus says he came to have a good life. He came for us to have a good life and an abundant life. And in the Sermon on the Mount, these Matthews, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, Jesus is preaching to his disciples. And that's important for us to, to remember the context here. So partway through this sermon is here, Matthew chapter 6. He's speaking to people who, who are either sent on a mission. They are his disciples. They are to be the light of the world. They are to be the salt of the earth. And he's speaking uh, to his disciples, those who are following him. And he comes to these verses here. So we'll get into those in just a second. We believe that God is the, sust the sustainer of our lives. We believe that if he stopped sustaining us, we would just fall down dead. Every single breath is given to us from God. Everything that we have comes from God because God is the creator. And everything you see, everything around us is his. And so he blesses us. He takes care for us. He gives us what we need and often so much more uh, than what we need. This is what we believe. God is the source. God is the sustainer. God provides for us. But so often we don't believe according to how we act. This is why I told you, you probably won't learn anything new today. You know what I just said. You know that, right? This is who God is. But often we behave as if um, everything depends on us. And we, we behave as if I need to take care of myself. I need to do these things. And, and we forget that there is someone who knows more, who is more um, powerful 
and more capable of taking care of our needs. And so sometimes the way we believe and the way we behave doesn't always match. And sometimes that's, that's what we do here on Sunday mornings. We, we here, come here to realign ourselves with what we really believe. Now actually, however, if you say you believe something, but you act differently, you don't really believe it. That's, that, that's the truth. It's easy to say, you know, oh, I love you, I love you, but then, it's, but then you do things that harm that person, and you're not loving. It's easy to say, oh, I believe, you know, this about God, I believe these things, but then when you act differently, your behavior kind of really shows what you really believe. So we're not looking for just simple verbal, you know, assent to a statement of faith. Yes, I believe this, this fact, you know, Jesus this and, and everything. That is not what saves us. Because even the demons, right, believe that they, demons know the truth. Just because we know the truth doesn't necessarily help us to live that life that Jesus is calling us to. And so our beliefs and our behaviors, that's, we're going to be dealing with that for the rest of our lives. How do we put what we think we believe, we're fooling ourselves, we're saying we believe, into action. And so that's part of what we're doing today. We, we believe that God is our provider, but we act like, I'm the provider. Right? We believe that God cares for us, but we don't. I'm going to do this because I need to get this done. And that's part of the reason why some of us are unwilling to take a day off each week because we think it's all up to us. And we may have a higher view of ourselves than we really should. And that's the reason why God gave a command to his people of Israel to take a day off, like stop working. It's not on your shoulders. Actually, I'm the one for caring for you and providing for you. And so let's put our beliefs, what we say we believe, into action a little bit kind of each Sunday as we, as we come together throughout this year. So here's one way that we can do that. So Matthew chapter 6. This is a passage that I said you're probably all familiar with, and, and um, probably some of you quote this to yourselves or to your friends. Matthew chapter 6, let's start in verse uh, 25. There. That was the choreography of our... Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do, do not worry. The nerve of him, right? Do not, is it even possible like, to, to not worry? Remember who Jesus is speaking to? He's speaking to his disciples. He's not speaking to people who are in the midst of a famine. He's not speaking to people who are, who are um, whatever under... Uh, these people have basically what they need uh, to survive. Um, they, he even tells them sometimes to go and don't even worry about what to take. Just let people provide for you as you go on mission. Okay, so this is, this is the context that Jesus is speaking to here. He says, don't worry. The nerve of him, right? Do not worry. Here's um, some questions um, that uh, I heard another pastor, so I'm just borrowing them from him. There's five questions when we talk about this. Do not worry. Jesus, the nerve of you, say do not worry. But he, let me ask you these questions. And then you'll understand why Jesus is saying this. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Jesus says that actually, verse 27. If you worry, will it, will it make your life longer? No, it'll probably make your life shorter. Who of you, by worrying, has probably taken a year off of your life already? Worry, anxiety affects us, doesn't it? In all, every, we're all really, we're not separated physical and social events. It's, not all, it's all together. Who of you, by worrying, is driving people in your life out of their minds? Nervous laughter, right? Who of you, by worrying, has uh, reduced your grocery bill or upgraded your wardrobe? Like, does worry do that for you? 
And the final question, who of you by worrying has added value to what you value the most? Worry, what does it do for us? It only harms us. If, if, if we're, no wonder Jesus is saying, don't worry. Therefore, do not worry, he says. Like, what, why do we do this? I, I'm not sure if we can ever be completely free from worry, but let's reduce our worries here today. The ones that's completely, I mean, it's all needless. It's really hard. You know, sometimes I wonder, Jesus, are you just like exaggerating here? Because sometimes he speaks in hyperbole, right? Where he says, um, if, if you follow me, you have to hate your father and mother. Like, of course, he doesn't mean hate your, but it's an exaggeration. And right? this is how much more important it is to follow Jesus than, is this hyperbole? Like, is it even possible? To, and how do we do that? All through the story, we, the story of the Bible, we see that God is the provider. Jehovah Jireh, God provides. We see this over and over again. This is who he is. I mean, of course, he has everything. We have nothing. Everything we have was only given to us. So he's the one who provides. This is, this is who God is, and this is who we are. He gives, we receive. That's theology, one-on-one. There's nothing we can give that we did not receive. God provides. He is the sustainer of our life. You know of lots of stories. For example, let me just read one from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. This is not in your notes, so if you want to write this down, 2 Kings, you give it 2K, 4, verse 22, uh, sorry, 42 to 44, chapter 4, verse 42 for 44. This is a story um, back in Elisha's day. It says, a man came from, this is during a famine, Okay, so there's not much food around. A man came from Baal Shalshah, however you want to pronounce that, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley, barley bread baked from the first ripe grain and along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. And he said, how can I set this before 100 men? Does this remind you of another New Testament story maybe? He says, how can I, sir, you know, it's only a little bit of bread. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. What story does that remind you of in the New Testament? When Jesus was feeding, right, the 5,000, and another time with 7,000, and just with a little bit. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. This, we know in our heads, God provides. Because he cares for us. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him, on God. Why? Have you memorized this first? It's a simple one. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. So cast all your anxiety on him. Like there's a lot of things, you know, we have to worry about. I know that because I have worries too. But it takes a lot of energy. And then sometimes I'm drained and I have nothing to do other things with or it just my mind is full and sometimes I'm driving somewhere and I think, I'm living in my head right now, right? Because there's all these things. Like Jesus says, don't worry. First Peter 5 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. He does. So it's like, I always imagine it like outsourcing my worry. Like someone's got to work. It's, it's got to be, you know, I'll do, someone's got to do it, so I'm just going to do it. You know, can't trust anyone, so I'm just going to do my own worrying. No. We outsource lots of things, right? To China, don't they build everything? Like we're outsourcing things that we don't want to do or we don't want to take the time to do. We outsource them. Outsource your worries. 
not to China. Outsource them to God. Let him worry about it. And then you'll be free. Carefree, living. Let him worry about these things. Why? Why would you do that? Because he cares for you. And all through history, he has been caring and providing and sustaining. So can you do that? Can you outsource your worries? You can even name them. Okay, God, um, you worry about that. Okay, can I trust you to worry about that? You do that. I'm going to cast my anxiety on God. That's how I picture, I picture it as outsourcing. So outsource your worries to him. Worry doesn't, what does it do for us? Like, positively. Nothing, right? Makes us sick. Stop it. Let's not do that. I mean, I know it's hard. How? Let me, let's look at this a little more. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. He's talking about um, you know, eating and drinking and clothes. and He's talking in the first century, and these are probably the things that they were concerned about most, right? But these aren't really things that we, we're not, we, we don't need to worry about what we're going to eat. I mean, look around, right? We got lots to eat. We don't worry about what to drink. We got water everywhere, right? Do we worry about what to wear? No. Like, we have so many clothes, we give them to the wardrobe, right? At least twice a year, don't we, Bonnie? So that you could give them out again and reuse them. These aren't necessarily things that we worry about, and so we have other worries, maybe, but if you were living in the first century and you could look in the future to 2020, you probably look, they would be looking at us saying, wow, you guys have must have nothing to worry about, right? They had real worries. They were like, oh my God, where's my next? We got everything. And we would say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. We have lots of things to worry about. You know, tuition, I'm not sure if I can pay bills. Uh, I'm not sure how my, my, my children, if they're following the Lord. There's so many, we have lots of things to worry about, don't we? But if all that was taken care of, I bet we'd find other things to worry about. This is part of our nature somehow. It drives me nuts. Because do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. And this is a good question. Is not your life more than food and the body, uh, and the body more than clothes? See, when you worry about something, what happens? It's like that's all you think about. It's like my whole life is like this. Right here, this is what I'm worrying about. Will I ever get married? Will I, will I ever you know, find someone? Will, will, will my children? And that's what we think about. It's like our whole life becomes what we worry about. But isn't your life more important than that? Of course it is. Your life is way more important than the clothes you wear and the food you eat and the water we drink. But that's what it becomes about. So don't worry about these things. Look at the birds of the air. He gives some examples now. And, you know, we're like, we don't see any birds, right? Maybe. But remember, he's on a mountain. He's on a hillside. And so probably when Jesus says, hey, look at the birds of the air, people are like, oh, yeah. And you can see birds, you know, carefree flying around. So picture yourself. Look at the birds of the air. He says, they don't sow or reap or sow away in barns. And yet what? Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who thinks a sparrow is more valuable than you are? If you had to choose, right, life or death, obviously we're way more valuable, okay, than, than the sparrow or, or than, than other birds. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No. It's a rhetorical question, right? Like, wait a minute, maybe I can. No, we can't. Okay, we probably take uh, hours off of our life. 
by doing this. So then he keeps, he says, why do you worry about clothes? Okay, see how the flowers of the field grow? Again, they're outside, right? On the mountain. Oh, look at beautiful flowers. They do not labor or spin. Did I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these? He says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then he adds this, you have little faith. You know, faithless ones. Or you have such little faith. Don't you have faith that God will provide? God is not saying that we need to be careless because um, I'm not saying this is any of you, but lazy people or people who have a tendency toward laziness might take this verse as their life verse and think, see, I don't have to do anything. I don't, like, that's not what's happening here. He's not talking that we need to have a little bit of a careless life. Jesus is sure how to live a carefree life. And so he's not saying, you know what, you don't have to worry about applying for jobs because you know if they want you, they're just going to come and get you. You stay at home, watch TV, you'll get a job, don't worry. That's laziness. That's carelessness. Or when he gives us blessings and he gives us a good job, or give, like, yeah, that's, that's, um, we need to take care of it. I lost my train of thought. Not be careless, right? We, we put effort in, so he's talking about how do we care free, not to be careless. And so he talks about other areas, you know, as we read more about Jesus' teaching. He's not telling us to be, you know, lazy and don't worry about anything. That's not what he's saying. So this is how we want to live a care, a free life. Do you trust? Um, you know, we, we know in our head. Do you trust that God can take care of you? Yeah, we know he can, right? Do you, do you trust that he will? Do your actions, does your behavior show that? And we're not talking about living a lazy life or carelessness, but carefree. And it'll come uh, together a little more as we get to the end of this passage here. He says, so again, like he says, worry like six times and three times, like don't worry. So he's saying this again. Do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or you can fill in the blank, you know. For the pagans, he says, run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Pagans is just, those are, it's referred to people who just don't know God. So people who don't know better. People who don't know that God is the sustainer and the provider. Those people, you know, they're running after all these things. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. All of our worries are, it's, it's not about today, is it? It's about tomorrow. And Jesus finishes that. We'll get to that. But it's about tomorrow. I'm worrying about you know, what might or may not happen next. I'm worrying about tomorrow. It's, it's the future. So he's saying, don't worry about that. Pagans run after all those things. But, you know, the people who don't know better, people who don't know God, who don't know who Jesus is, they're running after all those things with all their might. But guess what? God knows you need them. He knows. It's kind of like our weaknesses, right? We're not like, oh God, guess what? He already knows our weakness, but we're just letting him know that, that we know that he knows. And so we're confessing and admitting, God, I need help in this area. Here, God, I know you know what my needs are, so I need to pray. It's not the idea. Let him know. God, here's a need. Would you please provide? Please help. We can't do this on our own. Please provide for us. You know, the people of God knew this. They lived their whole lives. Like they were in slavery, remember, in Egypt. And God just thought, I'm just going to save them. You know, there was this guy named Abraham, and God said, I'm just going to choose Abraham and make him into a great nation. And then I'm going to bless the whole world because of it. He, didn't, he wasn't requiring Abraham or the people of Israel to meet certain requirements before saving them, did he? Any requirements in this relationship with God came afterwards. 
with Moses and, and the Ten Commandments and the giving of the law. First, he's just, I'm going to save you because I love you for no other reason. Like, don't try to think, why would God? No, there is no reason. Just because God's wanted to. So he, the people of Israel knew that. The Jewish people knew that. God just chose them, chose them, saved them. But once God had started this relationship with them, and it's not like an equal relationship. This is God is greater than, than the people of Israel. But he said, now that you're in this relationship, and I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to care for you. Here's how we're going to live in this relationship. And again, it's not a relationship where they were like, you know, debating and negotiating. It's no, here. Okay, I, I chose you. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be a blessing to all nations. You're going to be huge yourself, and you're going to have everything you need. But in, within this, here's what I require. And so Deuteronomy 28 is referred to often over and over again throughout the Bible. You can write that in your notes too. Deuteronomy 28, you'll see here it says blessings. And there's a whole thing all about blessings. God is going to bless, bless, bless. And then the last half is what? Curses. Blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. So there is some expectations that God has of his people. I'm going to do all this for you. You don't have to meet certain requirements first. I'm going to save you. I'm going to bless you. But now that we're in this relationship, let's, let's, let's do this, this way. And the Israelites, the people of God, understood that they were, they were curses. They were uh, punishments, right? They, they were exiled. They lost everything for hundreds and hundreds of years. But God redeemed, and he was doing it just for a certain time, and then he brings them back. His story it continues all through the redemption and through Jesus Christ. And so God knows that you need these things. He's not saying for us to be careless, but here's how to be carefree. The pagans run after all these things, and then Jesus says, but you seek first his kingdom. Okay, we're on mission, just like his disciples were. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and guess what? All these things will be given to you as well. Seek that first. Seek mission first. Seek his kingdom first. This word seek, if you're using different versions, you'll notice that just the verse before where it said the pagans run after all these things, that's the same word. So some versions will, some versions will say the pagans seek after all these things, and then Jesus, but you seek first. You, so they said the pagans run after all these things. You could say, but you run after his kingdom. Like run after it and his righteousness. Make that the focus. Not, not your worries, not not what is worrying you right now or stressing you, because that, that becomes your whole life. But your whole life is more important than that. First, seek his kingdom. What is God calling you to do today as a father or as a husband or as a friend or as a brother or even as a student? What is your mission? What has God called you? Seek that first and his righteousness. And then God's worrying, because we've already outsourced our worry to him. He's worrying about the other stuff and he'll provide for us. Seek first. So there is kind of a requirement if you want to live a carefree life. Sometimes I say things I don't mean. Did I just say careless? No, carefree life. If you want to live a carefree life, seek first his kingdom. You know, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want. God has given me all these blessings. I'm going to do with them whatever I want. That's not going to lead to the perfect life, a good life, an abundant life. Seek first his kingdom. That should be the focus of our lives. Because we're on mission, just like his disciples um, were. So we've come almost to the end. Okay, we'll just finish it. And then I wanted to come back to this. Chapter 6, verse 34. Says, so after all this, then Jesus says, Therefore, 
right? Because of all this I've just explained to you, do not worry about blank. Fill in the blank, whatever you want. Do not worry about tuition. Do not worry about school. Do not worry about your job. Do not worry about, like, whatever. You can fill that in. But you know what, how Jesus fills in the blank? Because it's all the same thing. Tomorrow. That's what Jesus calls it. Therefore, do not worry about whatever it is, you know, tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let God do your worrying for you. Cast all your anxiety on him. Seek first his kingdom. This is how we can have a better life this year. But if you're like me, you have questions, don't you? Is it really that simple? Maybe Jesus is just a simpleton. What about people who die from famine? What about people who are, who are killed in war? What about people who are, are, are sold into sex slavery when they're six years old? Like, what? Oh, you know, seek first his kingdom and his right. Everything will work out. Maybe they weren't doing that and it's their own fault. Like, that's a little bit too simple. Do you ever think that? Like, is it, maybe, it's, remember, remember the context of who Jesus is speaking to in this case. So some people, like this guy Ulrich Lutz, he had a commentary and he said, you know, it said that every starving sparrow, because like some birds starve to death, contradicts Jesus, right? Because he said, look at them. God's going to provide for them, not to mention every famine and every war. Is that too simple? Jesus isn't speaking to people who are uh, refugees in a war-torn nation. He's not speaking to people who are in the midst of a famine. He, there are other verses that talk about that, how we are to care for the poor and how, how God loves especially those who are helpless and especially those who are refugees and especially those who are being oppressed. So sometimes these curses come, famine, starvation. Um, yes, they, the Bible tells us sometimes they come as a result of sin, as a result of disobedience. That's very clear in the Bible. Maybe it's even not even our own, but you know, the, the nation of disobedience or our parents. So there's, there's, there's repercussions, right? That, that could be one reason. But another reason could be because there's greedy people out there. And there are people who oppress other people. There are people who have too much power and they shouldn't have it. And so they become richer and richer and it looks like, oh, God is really blessing them. And it's no, not, they're becoming rich or whatever on the backs of you know, slaves. Or, so sometimes sparrows starve to death. Sometimes war happens. But that's not simply because, oh, they weren't doing enough of seeking first his righteousness and his kingdom. It's people are greedy and people oppress other people. And so that can happen. And there's other situations where God talks about that. So this objection really doesn't talk to this situation. When Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's sending them out on mission. He's saying, don't worry about, you know, just take a little bit of your belongings and, and trust. Seek first his kingdom, his mission for you. What, what does God ask you to do? here and God will take care of those other things. So if you're in the midst of a famine or other, that, that's, that's different. Okay, we, we need to be, just so, does that make sense? So it's not really that simple as you might have thought it was. This doesn't really, isn't a fair objection to what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter six. But um, that doesn't convince you, then let's talk later. What do we need then? How do we not worry? How do, how do we follow Jesus's commands here? First thing we need is a proper attitude toward our possessions. Rabbi Hillel, who was a first century Jewish leader, he said, an abundance of provisions can create anxiety. 
right? If we have a lot of stuff. But also, their absence can also create anxiety. So sometimes we, we have a lot and we're still stressed. Sometimes we have little and we're stressed. So it's not necessarily whether we have or we have not. It's our attitude. It's the proper attitude toward the possessions that God has given us. There were people that were very rich in the New Testament. They had big homes and they had house churches in their homes. And God wasn't saying, you know, stop doing that. God blesses people. He loves to do that. But it's in their attitude towards their possessions. And when he talks about this food and, and clothing and drink and whatever else, what is our proper attitude towards the blessings that God does give us? This will help us to live a carefree life. First of all, what I'd like to say is um, share. Share your possessions. Understand that everything comes from God and God is, has uh, given some things to you temporarily for a reason. He wants you to have a nice life. He wants you to enjoy these things. But it's not for you alone. We're, we're a channel of God's blessing and so he blesses us so we can bless other people. So share your possessions. Don't hold on to them so tightly. The more, sometimes the more possessions you have, the more stressed you get, unless you're holding on to them loosely. Remember, these possessions, that nice house you have or, or the nice savings account you have or whatever it is you have, that's not what's providing for you. That is not what's going to keep you safe and secure. It won't. You might think that. Only God provides for you. Only God is your sustainer. And God will provide for you. Seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. Seek first his mission for your life. Seek first your mission as a mother or a father or whatever it is. Where's your situation? Seek first how you can be on mission for God. And maybe that involves using your possessions, but share them. Hold on to them loosely. They're not yours anyways. Secondly, I just said it, seek first his kingdom. Be ready to sacrifice whatever possessions that you have been given and everything else for the sake of his kingdom because that's what we're here for. We are on mission. God has blessed us. God has saved you. God has brought you from darkness into life for a purpose. So be ready to sacrifice all that, all that you've worked towards, all the plans you've had in your life. Be ready to sacrifice that Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Living a carefree life. So I don't know if I'm even supposed to say this, but I'm not sure if it's possible to live without any worries. So don't aim for perfection. But I think we can get better in this area, right? There's some things that are taking up all your focus right now, and you're forgetting about God's mission. You're forgetting about what he's called you to do, right? Maybe there's a one thing, or maybe there's two, a little bit, that we can become a little better in this, and name it. God, I'm going to let you worry about this, and I'm going to do my best to become the best mother possible this year for my children. Or I'm going to focus on whatever it is I feel you called me to do. It might be study. Maybe this is a season where you just have to study your brains out and let God worry about other things. What is God asking of you? And so seek first his kingdom. Be ready to sacrifice everything else for the sake of his kingdom. 
Here's a famous painting. It was a painting of a photograph. I'm sure many of you have seen this in your grandfather's or grandparents' homes. Maybe you have it in your home. And um, I did a little bit of research on it this week, and it was kind of interesting, but nothing really that I could share except that. Um, shortly after this, this um, the photograph was taken, it was painted. Shortly after that, uh, one of the friends of the family who did this uh, wrote a prayer. And it fit very well, kind of this picture. Right? There's a, it's actually a dictionary, fun fact, but it's meant to be a Bible. Uh, and a little bit of you know, soup and a bread. And this painting is called Grace. There's another one that was painted shortly after called Gratitude, and it's an, an elderly woman in a similar situation. Grace and gratitude, so grace. Just be thankful uh, for, for what we have and knowing that we only have what we have because of God's grace. But here's this prayer. It's printed out. If you haven't got a copy, take it home. Maybe you want to pray this you know, over, over the next few days or few weeks or months or all of the year. This is the prayer that was written to go along with this painting. It said, Lord, there may be homes that are larger than mine. There may be tables groaning with food and drink in abundance. There may be riches in supplies and appointments. There may be conveniences on every hand, and there may be physical assurance that tomorrow will still bring even more. But Lord, you have been with me unto this and supplied my necessary requirements. On that assurance, I rest my belief that you will bless my efforts if I apply them to the best of my ability to carry on. I am content. And those are capitalized. I am content. Amen. What has God been saying to you? What are some things that you don't need to worry about anymore? Can you let them go? Can you cast out your anxiety? I know it says cast all your anxiety on him. We'll get there. But maybe choose one thing or two things. Cast something. Outsource some of your worry, at least, to God. Aim for all, but don't beat yourself down if you can't get there. But I'm sure there's something. God, you know, you care more than I can even care. You love more than, you're more, will you worry about that? Just say, God, I just want to let you know. I'm going to let you worry about it. I'm going to trust that you're worrying about that. And then I'm going to focus on what you've given me today in my job, in my life situation to bring glory to you. Let's seek first. Seek first better. How about that? Let's, let's be better at seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and his mission for our lives. Let me pray for you, and then we will sing one more song. God, there are so many things that we know about you, so many things that we study and we learn, and we love all of that we learn about you because you are so good and powerful and gracious and you care for us. Help us, Lord, to believe in our behavior. Help us to act in line with what we say we believe. And today, if there's something that you, you, you just want to worry about instead of us, will you reveal that to us and let us just take it from us. Will you worry about those things? for us. Bring us closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.